The Indiana Convention Center is a major convention center located in downtown Indianapolis, Indiana, United States. The original structure was completed in 1972 and has undergone multiple expansions. In total, there are 71 meeting rooms, 11 exhibit halls, and three multi-purpose ballrooms. The connected facilities of Lucas Oil Stadium offer an additional 183,000 square feet of of exhibit space and 12 meeting rooms. Live from an Airbnb barely breaking 1,000 square feet 10 minutes away from the convention center. This week, Griff and I are joined by a very special guest to help us get settled at, at Gen Con talk about second edition and answer some new listener questions i'm your host steve in studio with your gm and my co-host griffin roll a will save you're in the zone of truth And we're back. Dude, we're in fucking indie, man. I know. Can you fucking believe this? I can't. This year, we have been at more cons than I've ever been in my lifetime, dude. My liver feels like an old uh, police interceptor that you buy secondhand that has about 240,000 miles on it. Yeah, that's a, that's an accurate. That's pretty apt. Yep. Yeah. So we had the absolute... Um, Blitz that was PaizoCon. We had the hometown shenanigans of Origins, and now we are at the big one. We are at Gen Con. Motherfucking Gen Con, baby. Absolutely. Second edition just dropped last night. We got into town. We've been playing. We've been hanging out. We've been doing all sorts of crazy stuff. By that, you mean alcohol, right? (laughs) We've been doing a lot of alcohol. Pretty much. Um, Griff, how are you hanging in there? By the skin of my teeth, dude. <laughs> and, and you know that, I mean, you you have been my ride-or-die boy. Every yep. con we've gone to, it's at least been you, or, you and me. And you know how these cons go. You know how drunk we get. You know how kind of touch and go most of the scenarios and shenanigans we get into are. I basically prop you up by the end of the night. Usually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I end up drinking about a case of beer and yep. fall asleep standing up. That's okay, because we're at Gen Con and in Indianapolis, there are no fucking rules. That's right. That's we- what they told me when I got here. So just so the listeners have a good idea of what's going on, we arrived yesterday at Gen Con, um, checked into our our Airbnb, uh, saw the exhibit hall, went out for dinner, had some drinks, came back, went to bed. We hit the exhibit hall again this morning, and now it's about three in the afternoon. We are back at our Airbnb, taking a couple hour break to tie up a cu- tie off a couple brewskis, record a zone of truth, and just get weird with it. I was gonna say, like, is this really a break? No, it's <laughs> not. We are. It, it doesn't feel like a break. I, I'm very drunk. Yeah, me too. Um, but speaking of which, we've got a couple brews in front of us. Yeah. We also have a gentleman in front of us. He is our guest handsome for today. As fuck, very handsome. Suave. Suave. Charismatic. Put together. Uh, very masculine. Less drunk than us, probably. Definitely. Welcome to the show, 
Jason Lewis. Hey, everybody. It's great to be here. Thank so, you. So, Jason, first, can we let the fans know, how, how do these guys know you? Because weirdly enough, I'm pretty sure almost all of them do. <laughs> That's entirely possible. Yeah. Uh, so, boy, I mean, I'm on the Discord for the uh, the community that gathers together for you are You are a warden. I am you a warden of Harrowstone. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm also uh, the guy who is over on Twitter running the at what do you do pods account where I follow around like a gadfly all of the Pathfinder and Starfinder their actual play podcasts, news coming out of Paizo and other gaming venues, uh, and just trying to do my best to share that and signal boost it to the rest of the world. I think, honestly, I speak for, I'm hoping I speak for almost the entire Paizo Pathfinder playing, Pathfinder podcasting, Pathfinder twitching, Starfinder podcasting, Starfinder twitching, everybody. When I say, you are the fucking man, dude. <laughs> you you put all of this together to support something that you love and that, you know, we love you for because people like us that, that, that put these shows together could not get the word out better than with a person like you putting this list together, putting this in front of folks and getting the word out for all of us. It's seriously been a blessing, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun to do. And I'm glad that it has been something that uh, everyone can participate in, help me out with, uh, tell me about shows I haven't even seen yet. Uh, episodes that might've come out that were really good ones that everybody needs to listen to, even if they're not cut up all the way. Yeah. Well, Jason, I want to talk all about that. And we have a lot of stuff that we need to get to tonight, but we're drinking here. Oh, it's uh, are we, are we, uh, short on time? Oh, we got a lot to get through in the next hour or so. Everybody drink. Everybody knows. So, um, I just want to introduce what we're drinking. Then I'm going to run some Cyrusscape. Is that okay with everybody? Totally cool. Awesome. So, for me, I am drinking a brew that Jason brought me. This is from Pulpit Rock Brewing. He's been bragging about this brewery for about a year. I've been super jealous, and I want to try it. Um, This is their Sugar Rush. I believe it's a double IPA. Think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna crack it open now and let you know what I think. Oh, that's fine. That's very tasty. Isn't that good? It's worth it. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that for Price all the way to Iowa. <laughs> that's amazing. Griff, what do you got over there? Oh boy, I am in the same exact fucking boat. I've been enviously following Jason's drinking exploits through the Discord. He always posts these amazing fucking things, and the man, the myth, the legend fucking brought me some shit right now from Pulpit Rock. Let me just uh, scoot that off. It's a coffee and biscotti. Uh, Robust coffee porter with espresso and biscotti so i'm gonna i'm gonna try this guy because uh, apparently jason knows the way to my heart maybe he's listened to our podcast a little bit once or twice and he understands that i am a dark beer lover oh boy that spilled all over my fingers the color on that looks delicious holy fuck man lord hear my prayer (laughs) 
that is one of the better porters I've right, had in a, in a long ass time. You need to try that. I also spilled yeah, all over my computer screen because I'm in it to win it, Steve. Whoa. That's so good, right? I'm not putting on a show. This is delicious, Jason. They make amazing stuff. Yeah. Wow. That's really good. If you're in Iowa, Pulpit Rock Brewing, certifiable, amazing. What are you drinking, buddy? I have uh, brought one of my favorites. Uh, that I'm going to see if I can do this. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to work. All right. <laughs> the, oh, the cap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here, give me a little assist here, Griff. Oh, let's get, let's really milk it. Hold on, hold on. Oh, it's still coming. There, there it is. is. Yes. I am drinking one of my all-time favorites, which is the Lafrogue Quarter Cask Islay Single Malt Scotch Whiskey, brought out only for the finest of occasions and friendships. Within so you should it. probably probably save that. Yeah, I would put, uh, I would, yeah, I would I pour would that put back that in the bottle. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are you sure? Might, yeah. might yeah. have to. Okay. Might have to save it for later. Who knows when you might have a, um, you know. Meet somebody on the street. It, it could be <laughs> hang out with a friend. Quite could just, the occasion. Could hang just out, disappear. Hang out with yeah. long lost hang out with long yeah. Who No, knows? this is uh, awesome stuff. And uh, if I might, gentlemen, very quickly, yes, just say on behalf of all of us who get to enjoy your exploits Aww. and those of all the other podcasts that are out there. Cheers to you, to your creativity, and the love with which you surround us, and the stories you share. Cheers. You are my fucking dude. Oh, here we go. Incredible. You're melting my heart, buddy. I don't know <laughs> if I can, like, <laughs> you know the Grinch. Like, this beer is making something, probably my liver, grow a couple sizes too big, and I can feel it bursting out of me. I'm, Potentially I'm, your penis as well. I'm, I am engorged. Steve. All right. So on that note, we're going to uh, play the market soundscape from bustling port town in Sirenscape. Perfect place to be engorged. All right, guys, let's get to work here. Yeah, let's get to work. Right. Dude. So, so Jason, you are from the what do you do network um, and and social media account. Uh, just just for reference for the people that don't know at home, what is this account? What mm-hmm. do you do? How do you do it? Yeah, what do you do, buddy? Yeah, yeah. But first of all, I just want to start. This this should be an easy one for you. Yeah. How did you get that name? What does that mean for our people that aren't familiar with Pathfinder or actual plays? Yeah, and it's a it's a phrase that goes back, I think, to the very origins of running tabletop RPGs. Okay. You set a scene, the or the game master, DM, whoever it is, sets the scene for the players, turns to them and says, what do you do? And it's the fundamental question that underlies everything that we do here in TTRPGs, right? How are we going to respond to the scenarios put before us? Is it going to be with heroics? Is it going to be with villainy? Is it going to be with apathy as we just take the loot and run away? That's the beauty of the game that we get to share with each other. So a a very apropos name for someone who kind of puppet masters all the different accounts out there. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So when I get to ask people, hey, what do you do? The question is also, what are you running? Like, what game are you playing? Did you create this yourself? Is it something pre-published? Uh, these are the things I, I love getting to know and sharing with others uh, that are out there. Yeah. All right. So how? So what do you do and how did it start? What the fuck do you do, man? Come on. Sure, yeah. So uh, what I do, uh, this started uh, about two years ago um, when uh, we... 
went from my family and I moved, and uh, we decided that because we knew we were going to be moving a bunch over the next couple of years, uh, it made the most sense for me to be a stay-at-home dad because we we're mostly following my wife's career around. And when I knew I was going to have not that necessarily that much time because kids still a lot of work, right? Uh, but you can do a lot with your kids while you've got a Bluetooth uh, headset in, right? While you're, uh, <laughs> you're chasing them around the park or just getting laundry done or whatever. And so at that point, uh, I started just picking up and powering through as many of these as I could find. Um, and so it's been uh, a long couple years of me uh, picking all this up and realizing that there are so many great shows out there that aren't the big name ones that everybody might recognize if they're in this ethos and subculture. And those those accounts uh, need to get shared too. They need to be able to be uh, found by people who are going to enjoy them the most, right? Because not did ev- you find this kind of generosity? <laughs> That's what I need to know because I, if I'm being honest, gang, listeners, like Jason was very early onto our podcast and we would not be in a lot of your ears if we didn't have someone like him signal boosting us and supporting us and being that kind of person. I'm very curious how it became, okay, I'm focusing on Paizo. Okay, I'm focusing on shit that, like, you know, people maybe don't listen to. Like, like mm-hmm. I think we had 10 episodes out when you when you listen to us and you yeah. signal boosted us and it it got us a lot of yeah. listeners. Yeah, it was, yeah. you know, big from the beginning with your help. So yeah. how does that, you know, how do you manage that with being a stay-at-home dad and being, sure. you know, busy? Because it, it yeah. is busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, w- I would say that it's not always, it's not something that I follow up with perfectly, right? And I'll be the first to admit that this past week we have packed up for a cross-country move. And I've come to Gen Con. I have no time to update this account. I think we yeah. all, uh, you know, this is the first guess, gleaning of Jason actually being a human. I, I, guess, we'll, I guess we'll give you this pass. Give, give me one week. Okay, give me one week. Maybe oh, Pathfinder. Pathfinder. There we go. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I guess, I don't know. I, I would like to think that I have a big heart. For the things that I love, you fucking do, dude. Don't and, even think about it. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's that. It's that that Midwestern part of me that can't talk about myself uh, very well without feeling like I'm bragging, no matter how mildly I put it. Right? Oh, I feel yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys know. Uh, so, hey there. yeah. <laughs> don't you know? So the. Um, yeah, I guess for me, a big part of it has just been saying, I love stories. Right? Like stories are the most fundamental. Uh, experience of the human condition, right? Like we have been telling stories and we have been sharing them with each other for as long as we've been around. And we've now got the opportunity to do that in a ton of different medium. And podcasts are the one that's currently super huge for people to get to share. There are tons of podcasts that are out there for people to invest their time in, invest their community love and hours in. Um, And so for me, it's not necessarily about just advertising the biggest, the flashiest, the one with the best sound editing, the one with the best music, the Foley work, or whatever. It's about helping people make the connection between who they are and the story that's going to 
encourage them the most in their lives. And Thank you for eventually finding us. Yeah. Then yeah, I, yeah. You know, I, again, yeah, the, not the best editing, not the best fully editing, not the best sound work, but you, know, you guys, are you doing found great. us eventually. You guys you are doing great. Eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you yeah. have been the impetus, I think, for for me as a person, as a podcaster in this realm, mm-hmm. to reach out to folks. Awesome. And, and and I think it's it's been it's been amazing. Honestly, like what you do has connected me with people that I would have never met that I would have probably honestly not connected with on social media on whatever Mm. you've connected me with these people. And honestly, I met, I met some of them yesterday. Like, like it's, it's so much fucking fun to meet these people and you are the arbiter of, of this knowledge. And Honestly, the the group of people you put together has become a community. Whether you want it or not, it or has. And yeah. I think we love each other, but we all owe and love. We we love you, but we also That's owe a huge debt to you because this I don't think this community would exist without you. Mm. I think uh, honestly, I mean, I was talking to uh, Paizo PR yesterday, and they they mentioned your name, and I was like, I know that guy. Yeah. Uh, I don't think w- what what we do right now would would exist as much as it does, and as strongly as it does without you. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Jason, I, I'm I'm a little curious here. Yeah. So you said you've been following your wife around the country, pursuing her career. You're mm-hmm. a stay at home dad. Yeah. You've got a little time for yourself to indulge in. Um, in, in your nerdy pursuits, let's be real. We're all super nerds. He here. does it. He, yep. you know, he, oh, I know. Yep. He takes it, cranks it to 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what, what was, what was your start? Like what, what got you going? Were you, did you start with Pathfinder? Were you a D and D guy back in the day? Sure. Um, so yeah, tell me. My, I always find talking about that, uh, gaming experiences to be, it's a funny conversation to have, uh, on, on the street, but you know, in this community, it's, it's great. Right. Uh, the quick summary is that I started when someone, I don't remember who got me the 1991 D and D basic set. It's a black box with a red dragon diving straight at you and some fighter holding the halberd that looks like he's going to do anything it takes to take this thing out. And it had intro adventures and it had um, a way of just really kind of like the Pathfinder uh, beginner box or the Starfinder beginner box have right now. It was a great way for me to get introduced. Uh, And I had those for a while uh, and I read up a lot of that, got into a lot of the novels. You've talked about Pathfinder Tales a bunch, Steve. And uh, so, you know, books by R.A. Salvatore were huge. Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman were also big influences on me as well. Uh, Went through a particular Bible camp phase that I had there in high school. Thought that maybe this was not all stuff I was supposed to be doing. Um, (laughs) And ended up getting rid of a lot of that stuff. So many years later, uh, I found myself continuing to find touch points with that, whether that's through the many computer role-playing games that came out, like Icewind Dale or Baldur's Gate or Neverwinter Nights. There were all ways for me to stay connected with the system. And then about 11 years ago, I started finding the adventure modules that Paizo was publishing and found the art directions amazing, the content and the stories were fantastic, and I said, that's you know the kind of thing that I'd really love to get into sometime. So uh, when their playtest came out for their own system called Pathfinder, instead of just running stuff for, for D&D, uh, I jumped on the chance. We were about to move 
uh, from New Jersey to North Carolina. And I got to North Carolina and I found some folks that were playing Pathfinder Society. And so a huge shout out to a guy named Steve Miller, who welcomed me with a smile and a handshake at the door and said, you're welcome here. We're glad that you're part of our game. Let me find you a table. Who did you bring? And of course, I brought a bard, right? Because yep. what else do you Perfect. do? Perfect. Yeah, right? Man of my own heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heart. yeah, yeah. But instead of being like a city bard, I made him be a Kellid, uh, one of these barbarian folks from the way north okay. of Avistan, right? I love that. And I said, he's this guy who found his way south somehow, and his job is delivering sensitive items from one point to another. I gave him a rank in profession courier because I thought that that would <laughs> be a great day job for him to have. And I tried to make him as tough as I could and as supportive as I could. So, I mean, he's rocking medium armor and a shield and a morning star and just like almost frontlining it in a few points yeah. that got yeah. me into trouble with a white dragon once upon a time. And, uh, don't think he came out of that one, but, uh, yeah, okay. it's, uh, uh, yeah, you know, it you figure it out. But yeah, that was that was my intro. And then a little bit into playing that, I found a group of folks and we started playing the Legacy of Fire Adventure Path that Paizo published. Now yeah. tell me a little bit about that because sure. I so I've heard a little bit about separate adventure paths. We mm-hmm. are not as versed as you. Sure. Honestly. Okay. Like I mean, you know, we've played we played for four years, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the extent of our Paizo experience. Yeah. And it's like, you know, like after college, like, you know, we find a group and they're awesome and we play. Yeah. And I've I've never experienced the early APs besides Rise of the Rune Lords and, and a little bit of Crimson Throne. How is Legacy of Fire? And and Legacy of Fire is that's like the third or fourth AP, right? Where the fourth one, yeah. It it, uh, it takes place in I think Ketapash, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about it, man. Yeah, so uh the adventure starts um about as it's I mean it sounds kind of generic, but you're a bunch of mercenaries that get hired to travel across the desert and help reclaim a town that has been claimed by gnolls. Okay. And has been claimed gnolls. Right? It's always the Wheel of Woe podcast, you'll fucking hate No love for gnolls. No love. No love for gnolls. Yeah. And so I talked my GM into let me reskin, letting me reskin a, my character from just being a half orc, just use those stats, but claimed that he was a half gnoll uh, ranger. Oh, oh with, cool. Very interesting. With gnoll as favored enemy because he both hated what they were doing to the world. He's got real mommy and daddy issues. And just and knew that it was a big part of the problem for him. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you start just by doing that. And initially it's like, it's kind of like, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure serpent skull where the first book as a standalone adventure is fantastic and would just, you could run it and you could not do any of the foreshadowing to the later books. And it'd be an awesome run. Unsurprisingly, it's written by Eric Mona. I well, think it that was dude is unequivocally one of the best, we, Steve and I have actually had the pleasure of being run through something with him, oh, and it—it's. Uh, I fucking I, yeah, I fucking bow down to that. Like I, I'm a shitty GM, certainly in comparison. That dude makes a trivial encounter a fucking adventure. I don't know, I don't know how he does it, but he's a master of the craft. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, God. It, 
if you ever go to PaizoCon, fans, uh, get in a game with Eric Mona running it because that dude is fire. He is on. He is nuts. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, it's um, it develops into this whole story, and I'll just say, spoiler alert. I guess for anybody that folks, wants to don't run Dragon's Demand or no, uh, you know no, nobody is playing Legacy of Fire. <laughs> no, like, no, I, oh yeah, never mind. Game. Well, Dragon's no, Demand goes in Legacy of Fire, right? Or am uh, I wrong? No, it's a. Uh, is it separate? Yeah, it's set in a whole different. Dragon's Demand yeah. is modules. Modules. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought they went into like the similar thing, but no, please no. continue. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so the whole thing ev- um, evolves into the story uh, that ties way back to the history of Catapesh when there was a war between genies and genie kind in Katapesh. So fucking cool. And it warped the entire landscape and it because they were all wish casting against each other, utterly shaping re and reshaping reality as they went into combat with each other. And you eventually learn that one of these ancient uh Efridi is going to try and come back out from his escape. And wreak havoc on Galarian again mm-hmm. in Katapesh. And it is it is insane. Uh, it so is so it, awesome. It, yeah. It's literally like a adventure path, big bad genie. Uh, am, he, I, am I hearing that right? He, he, the giant fire genie is the, the bad guy at the end. Holy uh, fuck, that sounds If fun. you want... This is Will Smith. Captain. Yeah. Yeah, Justice Will Smith. If you Blue want, as hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want the spoiler for the final set piece, it's the uh, for us. It was the PCs riding a magic carpet down a tunnel of flowing lava, where we're floating right above it, opening up onto a cavern with a whole lake of this, where there's the skeleton of an ancient destroyer beast. That's one of the spawn of Rovagug has yet to be, like, the Freedy's going to try and bring this thing back to life so that it can destroy the world. And you fly in over this lake. You've got the ribs of this thing arching over the ceiling above you. There's a captured Katapeshi princess that's chained up over on this side. And then suddenly, like, rising like a whale from the deep is this Efridi, this, like, huge oh or gargantuan-sized Efridi that comes out and just starts laying waste to the party and it was everything we could do just to keep up so cool it was ridiculously I epic believe, i can't believe people don't talk about this AP. i know that sounds like cinematic. absolute fire it is it is like, insane uh, so uh Literally. curiosity mm-hmm. may kill the cat or me i know vudra is kind of like the if, if we're gonna draw a real world sure. r- real world analog it's like the india of galarian what mm-hmm. is katapesh so katapesh is in this interesting place where it's not quite Saudi Arabia because that's Mm -hmm. Kadira. Yeah. And it's not quite Persia because that's kind of also uh, Kadira. Um, But it has similar themes to that. I suppose they're, they're going for a lot of um, Arabian uh, themes to it with it all very the ties much to sounded yeah. like a, like an Aladdin type yeah. adventure, yeah, even yeah, yeah. though you guys got way more badass than Aladdin ever did. Yeah. You know, there's that. Uh, but Katapesh, just the, the real quick lore on that is that Katapesh is primarily one city called Katapesh. Sure. And then there's just a whole ton of desert around it. And Katapesh is the city where you can buy or sell anything. It is ultimately ruled by commerce, and it's lorded over by these um, alien creatures called the Pact Masters. The Pact Masters, who do everything they can to enforce even trade for anyone. You want to buy it? You can buy it. You want to sell it? You sell it. You steal? You lose your hand. You steal again? Dead. 
So no mercy for Am- uh, Amurabi's code, right? Yeah, basically. Uh, you almost yeah, said Harambe's code. I almost said Harambe's code. Harambe's code. Yep. You got me. I caught him. <laughs> yep. So yeah, um, Harambe's code. Uh, you know, kill a bunch of little kids that fall into your path. Jeez. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's this really interesting like. For the Western mind, it's it's almost a funny thing to wrap around if you haven't traveled to some of these different parts of the world where market squares and stalls are just an, an everyday part of life, and you're haranguing and arguing about everything and bartering and trying to figure out exactly how little you have to pay for how much you can possibly get from somebody. Um, yeah, and it's it's a wild thing. It's a really wild thing to get to explore. I personally, I would love to convert this adventure path to second edition. I've been because talking about that a lot. Like, do you think? Really good. Do you think, Jason? Like, and again, neither of us has a finger in the Paizo pie, right. as yeah. it were. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking the game mastery guide is going to give us. In I think it's due December or January. December January. Yep. Yeah, I I think it's going to give us the tools to convert some of these amazing classic APs yeah. into second edition, and that's what I'm. I, I'm so excited for not that yeah. spoiler alert folks we're gonna keep doing carrying crown in first edition yeah. but uh, you know sorry I know everyone's so sad and pissed but <laughs> but I think for the future of it I mean as you yeah. think about another addition to this gaming system that you've loved for 11 years yeah. do you think that something that could potentially convert all of the amazing stories they've told is is just like a huge boon or should we leave that in first edition and play that in first edition and then yeah. like let second edition tell its own story yeah i i like to lean back on what jason bullman has been saying about second edition as a rule system which is to say that the stories that you tell with second edition or with first edition, you can tell with second edition, right? Like the rule set is not going to get in the way of you telling a story. So I'm a gunslinger at the, uh, on the, <laughs> I'm just messing with on the way, which he talked about in a panel on yesterday the on the way. So. I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. need, I mean my, I need my Alcan star. Oh yeah. 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 It's it, they're They're fully aware of how popular that is. And it's, it'll be, I, I, I don't know if it'll be a year or two years, but uh, well, it'll be Short not, order. not too long. Yeah, not too long. Um, yeah, I think that th- I would be really interested to see, because it's it's an insane amount of work to take uh, an old adventure path and update it for a new system and catch any story not errors necessarily, but inconsistencies that yeah, might yeah. be in there. And they exist. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I know intimately oh, yeah. that they uh, they exist. Running the Carrying yeah. Crown Adventure Path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully, you listeners don't know <laughs> what <laughs> I've had to do. Yeah, but I, I guess the the quick thing I would say is that if it's possible for Paizo to do it, awesome because they know how, and that's great. But if I could put a bug in the ear of anyone out there who's listening and thinking, I'd like to get a license to convert these for Paizo so that I could just do it and sell it in different editions. I don't know that they would ever do that because there's so much of their own intellectual property that's tied up into that. But I think they'd have a pretty big market for people who are like, I love second edition. I want to play, uh, I want to, I really want to play rise of the rune Lords, but I don't want to have to like be flipping back and forth between the adventure path and the rule book and the bestiary and all the different pages I have to do for all the prep I would have to do to take care of this, can someone do this for me? And I, and I know, like, honestly, when they were like, Kingmaker Anniversary Edition, 
Here it is in second edition. Hundred percent bought in. Like oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not even thinking about running the kickmaker oh, yeah. system, but like the fact that they were willing to do that and the fact that they kickstarted it and it was super successful. Oh yeah. I mean, it was it was beyond successful. Yeah. Honestly, like yeah, yeah, yeah. they added they added about a hundred pages to the fucker. They did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's going to be about as big as the the new core rulebook is. And it's insane. That kind of thing, I think. Either they do, or with the staffing they have, you know, and no begrudging of Paizo at all because they do a fucking amazing job it's with nuts. the people they have. Yeah, like I, I've been continually surprised and delighted by the amount of interaction I've had with those folks. But there's only so much so many people can do. Yeah, if they were willing to do exactly what you're talking about with. You know, third parties converting this or doing this, and and somehow you know splitting or whatever the revenue, like there would be a market for that. Market Clearly, for with Kingmaker, there was a market for right. that, and yeah. so, uh, I mean, put carrying crown in it. I'll see if I can make a Farazman uh, Inquisitor <laughs> that uses the book. It can happen. Nice. Maybe we'll have it to it. Maybe we'll flirt with it. I, there, yeah, we'll. We'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's in there. Um, but yeah, I think that those are awesome options. I would love to see. Absolutely. Yeah. Jason, I kind of want to put you on the spot for a second. All right. I want to ask, I want to ask you a little bit of an off the wall question that wasn't on our agenda, but I think we kind of hinted at it okay. and I like your perspective. Sure. So in, in your notes you've written for this session and earlier in the show, you talk about that you burned your D D stuff yeah when you when you went to religious camp but i know you're a fairly religious dude yeah and i know there's some there's there's a stigma around D D in the religious community mm, sure i, I kind of I, I just kind of want to get your perspective on that and mm. I, how how your faith in and D and pathfinder can kind of intertwine sure you guys are the perfect people to talk about yeah that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah i mean steve raised catholic sure you know yeah it's a it's a it's a that exists in our community yeah and that's my faith tradition as well yeah uh, absolutely been catholic my my whole life uh though definitely in the sense that that's always been the church i most identify with okay um but then also being involved with different kind of groups over the years you can definitely like i can definitely look back on them and see where they have emphasized like is this something that is bringing you closer to god or getting in the way of your relationship with god and so for me at that point in high school, which I would freely admit was certainly a time where I was more easily influenceable around these things, right? The decision I made at that point was to say, yeah, I don't know that this needs to be part of my life okay. right now. Um, and I often wonder what the rest of high school or college or anything like that would have been like if I would have said, no, this is this is who I am. I embrace this. I know that this is going to be something that's a part of me and I want to keep doing it. Now, part of the part of the reason behind that too is that I wasn't actually ever getting to play it, right? Okay. Like I grew up on a farm. I I grew up on a town of 3,000 people. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. And we uh I mean there was one when I was in 4th grade, let's say, there was one other kid that knew anything about this, right? Sure. Something like that. And uh, he and I were buddies and we talked about it some and 
and that was about it. Um, but ever since after that point, it just wasn't something that was part of, um, of my relationships and daily life. And so I think if it had been, I probably would have been more reticent to do anything about it. I think the interesting thing about something like role-playing games is that obviously we've got the, the shadow of the satanic panic that happened Mm -hmm. so many years ago that still looms very large for very many people, right? Like, uh, you see folks on the street corners here during Gen Con who are, actively trying to talk to attendees about why the hobby that they love and participate in are is not good for who they are as a as a human being and i think the challenge to that is that you're then saying that faith is going to force you to compartmentalize who you are and cut things off from who you are instead of inviting you to incorporate them into who you are in a way that makes you a whole, a more whole human being. Right. Yeah. And so I think from, from my perspective about it, kind of where I sit today, you know, pushing 40, God, that's just a couple years away. Um, <laughs> you don't look a day over 24. Thank you. Yeah, honestly, it's it way better than either of us. <laughs> yeah, we look <laughs> like shit. Real. We look like garbage. Maybe it's the liver thing. Probably. But uh, yeah, you know, as I'm, as I'm coming up on this, I, uh, I often wonder how is it that we as faith communities could be uh, better inviting folks who are participating in these in these hobbies to say you are using these uh, this this game as a way of learning how to tell your story. Now let's take that experience and let's tell the whole story of your life, not just the stories that we're making up. And and don't get me wrong, fiction is incredibly powerful. What do you mean? And Matube lives in real life. <laughs> well, there is that whole bit about the, uh, the from the cosmology of Go- Pathfinder, where Galarian is out there, right? And we're about a hundred years ahead of their current timeline. The truth is out there. The truth is out there. The truth is out there. Um, but yeah, how do we take these stories that we're creating and look at them and say, how does this make me a better person? How does yeah. this make me better interact with the world around me? And if the reality is that something like a tabletop role-playing game can make you a better person, can help you better share uh, who you are with others, the totality of who you are with others, then that can have a place for us in our faith lives as well. I, I think so. I, yeah. I agree with you 100%. It, seeing the way that a, a person who has difficulty connecting with folks um, when they play TTRPGs light up when they can express themselves. Right. I mean, it, it really is what these faiths and these religions are based around becoming your true self and just mm. announcing it to the world. Yeah. I've said this a couple times and I'll say it again. I think TTRPGs allow you to open up parts of yourself that are not maybe readily apparent to everybody that knows you that, mm. that are, it almost lets you test the waters with things that you're unsure of about yourself. And I think faith plays a big part in that, mm. it, you know, people are unsure of their faith. People, sure. people don't a hundred percent know, even if they grew up with the faith tradition, right. um, where, where they necessarily lie. And I think, if anything, something like this role playing can help you be be closer to a god or be closer to uh, who you are as a person. It can it can help you find 
the true you through through playing these characters that we all love, oh, yeah. you know, we all enjoy. I think Steve says it best when he talks about Saw, and that that always I always come back to that is that like when Steve says he plays Saw, is like this is some stuff like I'm not sure about or I'm not comfortable with about myself that I that I throw out into the world and I play, and it becomes this character that's a multifaceted character that's very, I mean. It, integral to our campaign honestly but but also just like a very genuine interpretation of uh, of something that's pure fantasy sure yeah absolutely absolutely and this to kind of tie it back into the the what do you do pods is one of the first sets of questions i set out when i said i wanted to do this because i was initially thinking like i had grand visions for what i was gonna turn this into a blog i don't and think you need grand we, visions man you've made it yeah yeah we and i remember you know we talked about this or we you know we've talked about this on discord and i think you mentioned it on an earlier zone of truth uh about me hoping that i could provide a resource where people could go and see Maybe reviews is too strong of a word because I'm I'm too kind to leave a critical review of anyone. <laughs> yeah, that guy, I'm I, not that guy. I understand that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, when I listen to an actual play podcast, I want to ask myself, right? Um, how is this making me a better GM? How is this making me a better player? And and a question that comes straight from Tolkien: How is this fantasy story that I'm experiencing? helping me to better interact with the world that I'm a part of. And kind of the reason I queued up this question in the first place is that over the last, you know, few years that we've been playing, I've been sitting at at, at the table with my friends and people I don't know. And um, I've been learning about my faith identity and my gender identity and my sexuality identity. Like these, just to kind of experience these things is a lot of fun. And like I said, it's cathartic. You yeah. learn about yourself. Uh, I love hearing the, the opinion of folks who come into it from a faith perspective, come in from it, come into it from an atheist perspective. I just, because everybody is bringing something to the table and we can all learn from each other. Yeah. It's really fucking cool. It's yeah. great. And I think that's maybe the best part of the tabletop community is that is just the fact that like, say you have an atheist and somebody of faith and, and, you know, and people of several faiths, you can all sit down at a table and I've never experienced the, the situation where any of that has ever 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 been an issue no right like never. you could be a different gender identity you could be a different social identity you could you could do whatever and you can be whatever and you can be whatever at these tables as well and you can be different than what you are you could be the same as what you are you could be the same as what you identify as it doesn't matter because the only thing i've ever gotten from the ttrpg community is love yeah. and i think that's so important I think if you're in a game where you're not feeling the love from the rest of the table, find a new game because everybody is out there. People are, well, yeah, maybe. I don't know, but maybe. I mean, if you're a tough guy, you can. But I, I just think the the community is so welcoming as a whole that anything that you bring to the table should and is welcomed and if you're at my table it is and if you're at somebody's table who does not accept 
what you're bringing to the table, I think, again, just find a new table because they exist and they're there and you're going to get a fuck ton of love. Like, that's, that's what it is. That's what this game is. I, I, I'm, I'm going to go... Uh I'm going to go on the record and say I feel like we deviated a little bit from just learning what the What Do You Do podcast network is about. Um, but we got a lot we need to talk about tonight, guys. You know what? How about we play a little bit? This and You know what? This might be a little fun for the fans. Let's play a little second edition. How about that? Oh, well. Here we are. <laughs> Here Let's we go. Are. Let's get it. Let's go. Let's get it. I'm in. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, Jason, we've got you here. You've been at Gen Con. You have been GMing 2E. You're about to GM 2E for the rest of the con. So let's do our fans a little bit of a favor and play a little bit of 2E. I heard that you got a little something special prepared for me and Griff. Is that right? That's right. Uh, had this idea when we were talking about me coming on, and I thought, wouldn't it be fun just to give folks a little taste about how the carrion crowd handles something like second edition? Drunkly. Spoiler alert. <laughs> there, yeah, there are a couple of that. So um, we start looking the blazing sun that looms over the city. We come down. We see the streets of Magnamar, full daylight, bustling, the shadow of the iron span looming, of course, as it always does. And we zoom down into a particular alley, a red door that we phase through, and we find two figures standing before. A bolted wooden door. Guys, who do we see? You want me to go? I got yes. it. My name is Desodago. I am a, uh, well, a bard of some sort, of some repute. Um, happens to be my specialty where I... Well, I, I really need a job right now, if, if, if I'm being honest. I thought I was a gladiator, and, you know, I, I was paid as such in, until one day when, you know, my cohorts told me I was merely a circus clown. Um, unfortunate, to say the least, but... I quit the job immediately and, uh, and went to a life of adventure, and I am ready now to prove my mettle. Awesome. Steve. Ho, 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 ho! I'm Baker Dill! I'm a Twilight Halfling! Oh, I met Desodil a while ago! We get along quite well, he inspires me to do well, and oh, I'll just, oh, I'll rogue you out of your money! I hate you. What have I done? Oh. <laughs> but thank you for the Mickey Mouse. There it is. All right. Careful of the copyright infringement on that one. All right. <laughs> Careful of the Dickie Douse. <laughs> you just pull that there. All right. You're standing before the door, pretty sure that this is the place, and you give a knock. Get in here, a voice oh. says from inside. Oh, stop. <laughs> You're not the party face, it seems. Oh, we'll see about that. I already hate you. <laughs> the door opens up, and the two of you walk in to see a massive, corpulent human standing before you. Bigger than one should personally be, or possibly be, I should say. He is standing six and a half feet tall, 
an easy 450 pounds rolls everywhere. Absolutely yeah. enormous. Does our fair bard, is he trained in Arcana by chance? Uh, he happens to be. Ah, could you roll that for me just real I quick? Could, uh, I could toss the dice. So open this up for you. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to roll my intelligence, my, uh, trained bonus which is a plus two proficiency bonus uh, yeah exactly and 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 so that's a natty one natty one uh so i uh, i know a lot uh, well uh, you know this man is just very fat indeed he is you think that perhaps there is magic out there to get one to be this size How for does some one reason become such a human pig <laughs> Oh, I rolled a nine total. Do you have uh, Arcana? I actually do. Okay. It's a it's a plus three bonus. I rolled a six. It's nine total. Nice. Yeah. You guys cool. see this guy and you're like, man, he's huge. What are we doing here? And he looks he's at the two of you. He's very. And he looks at the two of you. He says, all right, two of you are here. You must have gotten the idea about the job. Are you ready? You do this? Well, I suppose. Uh, you know, I... Uh, your roles mystify me. I am looking for gainful employment. Mm. Gentlemen, there are two things that I do in this city. What? Well, three things. <laughs> I eat. I make a very comfortable living off of illicit means. Mm. And I am very good at ruining the day of those who waste my time. And so fast, right? <laughs> you'll see what I can do if you need. Now, there's some idiot out there named Razorback, or at least that's what he calls himself, and he's trying to get in on my territory. You're going to go out there, you're going to tell him to get out of my neighborhood, or you're going to put him in the dirt. Do you is, understand me? Is there anything uh, we need to know about this Razorback, is he, is he powerful in certain ways? Is he, uh, what kind of fighter is he? My men tell me he wears a pair of spiked gauntlets, one on each hand. Keeps him free to do other things, but feels, I don't know, thinks he's a tough one. You'll see, you'll recognize him when you find him. But get out there. Not tough enough for us! ho ho ho! Don't mind, my friend. He has a problem. <laughs> I do. Trying not right to. between his ribs. <laughs> Terrible. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, so he is basically saying, get out there. Get to work. Sure. I, I don't have time to pound the streets. So you're yeah, going to no, do that certainly. for me. So how would your characters go about doing that? So could I roll... <laughs> Shit. Uh, so, so this is a little different. This is a second edition versus first edition. There's not really a knowledge local. <laughs> I have glo- lore gladiatorial, and I'm curious if I can r- make a roll about the fighting pits in town, potentially, to see if um, if I can recall this this man being either a part, like a participant of the betting or, or, or having a man there. Um, I just want to know if like, that's the kind of thing I I'm tuned into. I want to know if it, he's a part of it may have. Yeah, so it may, maybe not, maybe, but I'm going to, I'm going to make a roll on it. Yeah. In a city like Magnamar, that's totally possible. 
So I rolled a natty 11. That's going to go to a 15. Sure, totally. Yeah, you learned that uh, there was indeed at one point, maybe you haven't been fighting in these in the same pits sure, at the yeah. same time, but this is somebody that has been known to to frequent those as well, both as a fighter and as just a, a gambler. So so I know yeah. him as a fighter. You know, you'd have... You know people who know him as okay. a fighter. Okay, perfect. They've seen him. They've they you describe it. Yeah, apparently a big guy wears spike gauntlets. They're like, oh yeah, uh, Razorback. That okay. That name sounds familiar to me. Uh, where he is right now, uh, might have to ask around a couple of the places. But he's tough. Like like they they know him for being able to take a lot of hits in the pit. Hey, uh, Baker. Um, I well, I've just you know I. I'm a fighter of sorts. Um, this man, he's known about town. He's, he's strong. He's ruthless, so I've heard. I, I don't know if you know any more about him, but we should be wary. You know, my background is charlatan, and I have a distinct knowledge of the lore of the Underlord. Uh, underworld. Couldn't quite get that word out. Um, maybe he's a shitty person. I want to roll and see if I know someone who's kind of shitty. Absolutely. That's a natural 18. You know a lot of really shitty people. Yeah, that's the reality of that. Yeah. Also, fuck you, Steve. Yeah, I figured we would wrap this up in 20 minutes so uh, yeah. I could be obnoxious as a one. There you go. So you uh, get out there and uh, you hit the hit the streets looking for some of your fellow thief contacts that Whoa! are out there to see if they know who you are. And they are more than happy to send you on your way as quickly as they possibly can. <laughs> as they do. As yeah. they do. To a bar called the Whistling Treant that's out in one of the uh, the side streets of, uh, of Magnamore, frequented by tough guys and thieves and, and things like that. And so you get up to this bar, a couple of shorties rolling up like Hobbs and Shaw, oh, ready God, to lay Hobbs it down. Hobbs and Shaw, except <laughs> only uh, three feet tall. Except three feet <laughs> the tall. Shittiest Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> God damn! Yeah, we did. We we, we are small races. <laughs> yeah. Goblin and, and halfling. Goblin and a halfling Gobs walk and into Hall. a bar. And Gobs and Shaw. Gobs and Shaw. That's too good. There it is. Gobs and Shaw. All right. So you walk. Uh, you walk up to the bar. Uh, door is open just to let air flow in, and you walk in, and you see leaning against uh, the bar counter there is this uh, about six foot tall scarred half orc wearing studded leather armor and with a pair of spike gauntlets uh, on his hands. He's leaning back. He's taking shots, laughing with the people around him. Hey. Look at me. I'm the guy that's going to own this town. Hey, oh, whoa. Hey, whoa, hey. I'm walking over here. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm drinking over here. I'm drinking here. <laughs> I'm drinking here. I'm going to own this town. This whole neighborhood. It's mine. Fest is going down. This is going to be my place. Hey, Dezo, what's your last name? Dargo. So you say you're between the Dezo and Daro, you're D's. That's what they call me. How about you show them these nuts? Well, I do have lore nut farmer. I'm willing to show the man these nuts if you think it's appropriate right now. I don't think sense motive is a two E mechanic. That's right. Well, you're going to have to roll uh, against my farm, which I keep in high regard. 
for these nuts. It's like, uh, have you ever been to, I don't know, a, a place where you would, uh, you would buy nuts? Oh, you're referring to a nuttery. Oh, yes, um, I am, um, you could call it Deeds Nuttery, I must. Oh! This guy looks over at the two of you idiots standing there. He's like, hey, uh, who are you guys? What are you doing in my bar? You want some of my nuts? I have bar snacks. Call them bar snacks, not... Uh, don't call them D's nuts. Shh. Yeah, you got... Oh, all right. Yeah, you got something. Uh, they're, they're, they're delicious. Yeah. Please, take, yeah, sh- uh, take a few. Show me what you got. Yeah. And he uh, he pulls out a couple cashews, a couple walnuts, uh, right. seven or eight almonds, uh, all seasoned uh, specifically as a person with a plus five to... Lure nut farming <laughs> would season the nuts. You heard it here first, folks. The first ever lore nut farming in Pathfinder 2nd Edition. The first and maybe the only. Maybe the only. <laughs> maybe the only time this happens. May not last past the next 10 minutes. No. Well, Jason Bowman's going to shoot me in the face <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> so he tries them. He's like, guys, it's all right, I guess. It's all right. And uh, D pulls out his whip. Whoa! I would like to intimidate him to enjoy the nuts more. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm, yeah, I'm pissed. Those at this are point. some tasty nuts, aren't they? Go ahead and roll it. Yeah. I come out to a total eleven. Eleven. So how does aid work? Because I think D's is pretty pissed that this man does not enjoy his nuts, or at least does not praise his nuts from the rooftops. Sure. So the way aiding works in Second Edition, you have to actually beat a DC twenty to aid on a check. But it's intimidate. It is intimidate. So often. It's just as good for you to roll your own intimidate check as to help somebody else out. But right now, because I'm very good at intimidate as a bard, yeah. I think I'll give it a shot to try and help. Okay. Yeah. So my intimidation is a five. I'm going to give it a shot. I need a 15 or better. That's a natty 19. 19. Okay. So the aid brings your total up to a 13, Yes, I believe. And that's normally versus the will DC of the target that you're trying to hit. Yeah, for sure. And he just looks at you and is like, hey, piss off. Get out of here, you little idiots. Whips out. Whips out. Whips Sun's out, whips out. <laughs> he sees you. He sees you go for it. He is like, ah, oh, is this how it's going to be? And he gets his knuckles up and ready. So roll for initiative. You can use perception as your initiative sure roll for All this. Right. Which is sounds good really me. good for me. It's it's really good. Um, you know, I'm a very perceptive bard. As, as you do with, with your wisdom as a bard, you know, you do bardic wisdom. That's what they call it. What, what is your perception at? I'm <laughs> at like a fucking plus two. Plus two. <laughs> nice. I love it. And that is a natty 13, so I'm at nice. 15. Okay. Oh, that's not bad. 15 for Ds. Uh, shit. My perception is at a plus seven, but I rolled a three, so that's a uh, ten total. Okay. It looks like my friend has uh, drank a little too much at this bar while I'm trying to get this man to eat these nuts. Oh, it's not my fault. I can't see the nuts. <laughs> so Razorback points at D's first and is like, you're first. You're the first one. And he's going to use his ranger ability, hunt target. 
to oh, focus God. on you. Thank you for and he, pulling that evil on me. Absolutely. And he is, uh, you can tell, though, uh, that even with your, with your 15 perception check, he's looking a little shaky on his okay. feet. Like maybe he's had one too many. Hey, uh, At this point. hey, Mickey Mouse! It looks like a fucking pussy. Oh, jeez! Uh, I but say his, that out loud to the to, <laughs> to the crowd. This man is speaking in tongues. I don't know what Mickey Mouse is. <laughs> he uh, he hey, gets, <laughs> he gets his gauntlets out. He takes a swing at you with one of his fists. Griffin, would you mind peeking right there? That's a Natty Twanzoni. I regret giving you the uh, the frosty reds because I knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen, but I'm okay with it. Okay, so that is going to be 10 points of damage as he slams a meaty fist into you uh, right Ten away. Points of dam- 10 points hey, of damage. Uh, 10 points of damage, you say? Is that, uh, is that all? That's it. Oh, is yep. it no critical effect or nothing? Uh, not at this level. Oh, guess for, what? Yeah. I'm an unbreakable goblin, so uh, I have uh, a lot of health. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, so his second attack uh, is not nearly so good. It's only a total of an eight, but he yeah, tries that, punching that you a do. second time in the face. But Dees, you're up next. What are you going to do? Uh, Dees is going to, um, with one action take a step back mm-hmm. so he's kind of out of the range of the fists totally. the flurrying fists because he I, I i don't think even with bardic knowledge he he knows quite whether this is a fighter or, or what he is but but he thinks like this man might be able to cross and jab right. quickly yeah. and so he wants to get out of his range and then he attempts a trip mm. with his whip yeah yeah, yeah. So that's going to be a attack roll, correct? It's an athletics check. Ooh, actually. baby. Uh, guess what? Dees is uh, attempting to become a champion. Oh, there you go. Next level. So he's okay. got a really beefy athletics beefy check, athletics. realistically. And since your whip that you're using is a finesse weapon, you can choose whether or not you want to use your strength. I'm going to use strength, baby. Okay, perfect. There you go. Let's All right. Go. So go for it. That's so, going to be against his reflex DC. So, so I am using, I'm using my athletics. Athletics role. I'm not using like where's strength factors in the athletics, but I'm not using my attack, right? Correct. You know, I'm yeah. not using the athletics. Yeah, it counts as an attack. So if you wanted to try and do multiple trip attempts, each one would take the multiple attack penalty. That'd be a natural two. Natural two, which goes to a nine. A nine. That you uh, kind of hit the ground or hit the uh, hit the thing next to him. Yeah, no, it's not going to work. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you've got two. Uh, one more action. I'm going to do it again. At a minus back. five. Yep. At a, uh, uh, is it a minus five to attempt a trip again? Uh, How's th- the athletics? Go? I think it depends. Is your whip an agile weapon or it just is a, agile? Then it is a minus four. Oh well. Uh, I believe it is agile. Okay. I will double check. All right. Um, let me check this guy. Actually, do you have? I got gotcha. you. You do the roll. I'll look up. Uh, I'll look up what the whip's got. Yeah. That is a natty fourteen, which will go to uh, again. We're gonna we're gonna go. It's gonna be minus f- probably five. I brings think brings it down to yes. a nine. Yep. So it brings it down to a nine, and then I am a plus five, which nets out to fourteen. Okay. So yeah, a net fourteen is not gonna do it. He's uh, he's uh, quick on his feet. Actually, sorry, I am at a plus seven. So that is a 16. Net 16, because he has sickened too from being so drunk right now that he is fighting (laughs) you. He must have uh, showed up on the Hideous Lesser (laughs) Power. He's he's a guest, uh, I think, uh, just this very week. Uh, Brings his reflex down, and you're able to snag him around the ankles. 
pull those out from underneath him. He slams into the ground. Fuck. Prone. Yes, baby. Leaving up. Oh, boy. <laughs> Here comes Baker Dill. Um, Baker Dill is going to... Baker, uh, stop him in the ass. He's going to tiptoe around um, this this big old bastard, if he can, yeah. to use a move action to set up the flank. Sure, yeah. Ho, 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 here I come with the sneak. All right. Um, he's going to... Roll a natural 19. Oh, oh baby, dude. All right. Um, that's a 28 total. I'm sorry, a 26 total. 26 total. Okay, let me look up one does, condition Does flanking thing still give quick. you the plus two? Or so, drop the AC by two? Uh, because he is flat-footed from being prone on the ground, it does drop him to the ground. You rolled a 26, you said? Yes, sir. Steve, high five. Critical hit. Awesome. Hit Critical it, success. Baby. All right. Go ahead, and what you're going to do, you're going to roll weapon damage, Yep. roll sneak attack damage, Yep. add your damage modifier, which for you is dexterity, and we're going to multiply that by two. Oh, it seems like you have... And a which weapon did you use? By the I used the rapier. That's a deadly D8. Yep, so that means that after we do all that multiplying, we're going to roll another D8 and add that on top. Oh, Jesus. Fuck I'm so see. lost. All right, so start from the beginning. Weapon damage is... Two. Two. So that becomes four. Okay. Sneak attack damage is... Which is a D6. Two. Okay. So we're up to eight. Okay. Your dexterity modifier is... Uh, plus four. So we're up to 12. Yep. All right. Uh, and we're going to add four again from dexterity. So that gets us to 16. Okay. Now roll the D8 for the rapier. Five. That's a five. So we're up to 21. Okay. You drive the rapier directly through his heart. Jesus Christ. Razorback, trip to the ground, has <laughs> tiny rogue fury leap onto his chest, stab straight through, and the man bleeds out in mere moments, and no one in the bar is laughing at you now. No one underestimate the tiny boys. No, not at all. I would like to order hams for the house. Uh, give me a hands as well. All right. Drinks all around. This has been our hideous uh, laughter introduction to Pathfinder Thank Second you, Jason. Edition. That was fun. Woo! Fun as hell. That was so good. <laughs> that was awesome. That was absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect. Well rolled, both of you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well rolled, Steve. Well rolled. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm so great. glad I critted on that. That was a lot of fun, man. That was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. As much fun as that was. Yep. And as fucking excited as i am to continue playing 2e for the rest of the weekend i think we might got some questions right steve yeah i think so and uh we're probably just gonna do a couple of these this round because i'm trying to get drunk tonight so yeah i'm getting fucked up so let's right go. um here's our first one it's coming from a user lord deathquake this is probably going to be mostly directed towards Griff and myself, but when you run an AP, how much do the players know about the overall plot and upcoming books? Is that different for the pod than it is for normal games? So I'm just going to, I'll be quick with this one. I know the themes of each of the six books of Carrying Crown, but that is it. Okay. So you're, you're kind of answering for me there. Yeah. Which is okay. Um, I really, again, I, I'm more curious about, if you were to play, if you were to run Serpent Skull, how much info would you give us, Steve? 
Um, I think I would probably just give enough info. Basically, honestly, you know what? Straight up, I'd do what you do. I would chat with everybody about their character concepts and then see what I can tie into later books. And maybe not tell them that, but work, yeah, maybe off don't the, tell them that. work off the character concept and maybe give them a little bit enough to keep them excited about the campaign and excited about what we're doing, but not spoil anything. Cause that's the last thing you want to do. I, I feel exactly the same way, obviously because you're taking your experience from what I've done. <laughs> I think that, the players should know something. They should be relatively invested in the plot of the AP, whatever you're playing, whether it's Karen crown or it's, you know, dragon's demand or, you know, you should know, like, again, Paizo, the company who I will continue to uh, laud and praise does an amazing job of giving out for their APs, the player's guides, which are super helpful. They're, they're amazingly helpful, especially if you want to play something like a ranger and you, and you want, I want to know what my favorite enemy is. I know I want to know what's going to be useful in this campaign. Well, okay. Paizo has done that for you. They've given you that information and, now you know, okay, well, it's going to be humanoids, undead, goblinoids, something, you know, that, okay, here's, here's where this adventure path is going. I know I need to have my favorite enemy constructs if I'm playing in Mummy's Mask or I need, uh, you know, favorite enemy undead if I'm playing in Carrying Crown. Like, you get that information. And I think for, for classes that are especially kind of very, well, not kind of, certainly dependent on that bonus it's very useful and it's very wonderful and it doesn't put the onus on the gm to say okay well here i'm going to reveal half my story to you because i want you to be effective hey the player's guide is here and it can make you be effective so that's i think where i come from with it is just i want you guys to have a fun time i want you guys to build effective characters i'm not gonna keep information from you that makes you ineffective i'm not going to pull a hey carrying crown was undead for book one and now it's all giants <laughs> welcome to the jason bullman surprise <laughs> so how do you feel about this jason like yeah i think that the the Biggest challenge, like you said, is making sure that they're building something that's going to be effective. And we've seen, even with Paizo, there have been some missteps with this in the past about like the second darkness campaign, which gets, I think, often talked about as uh, this kind of like, um, you know, fundamental blunder. And that's not necessarily true. It's a good adventure path. It's just that uh, there's a shift in focus about a third or halfway through the adventure path and the players aren't necessarily set up for it. And so at once, by the time you get to it, it's kind of like, well, shoot, this thing I've been running should just retire and I should create a brand new character that actually cares about this. Yeah. 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 So yeah, you got to give them, give them the highlights without giving them everything. I think, uh, and, and rise of the rune Lords. I'll, I'll say that as just the intro for many people into the Pathfinder setting, as well as just a great AP that is very diversified. Something like that makes it a little bit more difficult to yeah. 
I mean, certainly coming from GMing, you know, I've GM Rise of the Rune Lords and Carrying Crown. Something like Carrying Crown is is very easy for me to tell my players, hey, you know, undead, like probably focus on that. And like, yes, there will be divergences from that because Paizo isn't so silly to create an AP that is all one thing, right. but they're focusing on that right they now. They're, yeah. they're, they're really focused on that. And so... I can at least give that advice. Something like Rise of the Rune Lords, it's like, all right, the goblinoids and then yeah. and then undead and then giants and, and mm-hmm. you just you move around very much and, and I feel like that's very difficult from a GM perspective to say, "Hey, this is going to work really well." I I I almost feel facetious when I say like, hey, you know, you create a character that's really good against undead in Rise of the Rune Lords, and you're gonna have your moment to shine, but you're not gonna shine. Yeah, for most of it, and it's not gonna be the end game where you really shine. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I guess you know, and and I don't know if you've run many APs that are that are so diverse, but but Rise of the Rune Lords just just comes to my head immediately as as it's just a diversity because it's almost like paizo's first ap that is kind of exploring all of the different enemies from bestiary one bestiary one yeah i think that i i ran into that when i was running the kingmaker uh campaign for some folks uh the same legacy of fire group we took a break from that for a little while while our GM was just too busy to keep running it. Uh, and so I picked up uh, Kingmaker from there. And uh, it was at a point where I wasn't thinking super carefully about how to help my players create their characters. And so I kind of let them just run with whatever they wanted. And that led to some like some builds that were like this insanely effective crossbowman, right? That was a fighter that f- just focused on that and did an insane amount Don't of Don't you hate that player it. that's insanely effective and you just kill him off yeah, really quick? It's what you do, right? That's why Matumbe is still alive because he <laughs> fucking sucks. He's insanely effective. Insanely <laughs> ineffective. But then, uh, you've, then you've got other ones that are like the gnome rogue that is, you know, maybe he's got some skills to contribute to the party, but for the most part, kind of fell flat on everything else that we were doing. So, I mean, yeah, I'll say a hundred percent. I told the group, like, listen, don't play a bard in this campaign. Like, just like, seriously, if you want to play a bard, like you and I are going to build it together. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you pick the right shit. Like if, if you want to run a bard, you should be a dirge bard or you should be only focused on party buffs and that's the way you have to play it here. And I, I, I feel like Steve, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I felt very transparent about the, you know, oh, you were, if you're yeah, going to be you a, very transparent about, like, if you're going to show up to this podcast with this character, it's just not going to be a good time for you or anybody listening. And I'm like, yeah. you know, if, if you're going to be a very mind affecting character, well, your option is mesmerist because you can actually overcome the undead thing. Right. But it, I don't, I don't want steve to roll into this as a witch like he has done with return of the rune lords and and to great effect but i don't want him to roll into it and feel ineffective i hate that i hate that more than anything is to feel ineffective for an entire book and and jason i love that you brought up kingmaker yeah because we're about to close out this episode oh gosh and i'm about to flip one of your own questions on you 
And I'm oh, all yeah, of us, actually. Baby. Yeah. Jason, you ask us a lot of questions, and I don't want you to stop because it's given us a lot of fuel for this. But this comes from you personally. With Kingmaker on the way back from 2E, who in the group would get to play the ruler? And what kind of character would they make to feel the role? I'm just going to be straight up. Brooke Sigmer. King oh, we're I talking. Want, like, I, want, I want the child king. King Ickmer. The child king with like the court of people around him <laughs> trying to tell him what to do. See, I never That's thought That's what about I want this. to happen. I never thought about this as current characters. I've always thought that uh, the most fun king in my mind would be Emily. I think Emily oh, would be yeah. like the unassuming king, like the. I don't know, the people's king. She might be Dwayne the Rock Johnson in, in terms of, uh, you know, she'll throw down the people's elbow. But I, I think I think Emily, like, because Emily, and you've listened to our podcast, yeah. so you know, like, Emily has the greatest one lines and, and, and songs and Just stuff like that Dwayne she, she pulls Johnson. into it. But, but... She's quieter than a lot of us. And I think sure. that that actually makes a better ruler is is somebody that's that's willing to listen to everybody talk and take it in and be no. the level headed, judicious ruler of the of the campaign. And obviously, you know, she's an oracle, so she has high charisma more so than anybody else. But right. I, I think even if we had played separate characters it may not be who actually ends up ruling, but it's who, um, you know, I fanboy about ruling. I, 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 I would yeah. really enjoy running for her ruling and Haley as master of coin and, uh, Brooks as master of the armory and Steve as probably, you know, the grand maester, if, if we're thinking Game of Thrones, like sure. Steve as the guy that provides all of the healing and all of the, you know, religious. Because if anyone gets into the religion of Pathfinder, it's fucking Steve oh, yeah. in our group. And I think um, I think that would be the, the not holy trinity, holy mm -hmm. quadrility of, <laughs> of us playing Kidmaker. I think it'd be fun. Kind of like to see uh, Haley roll in as the royal enforcer. Oh like yeah, that would be awesome. Oh yeah, I think that'd be fun as shit, especially if she's still tainted. Because <laughs> then, that, you know, I could I could throw a little little flavor into that <laughs> for sure. Haley's giving us the thumbs up. Got from the that thumbs one. up from Haley. All right. Yeah, uh, Steve. When I saw this one in the notes, I forgot that that was actually my question to you guys, yep. and I thought it was a question that you were going to ask me, and I thought you were going to make me pick uh, between the characters. Well, I as think it still is do that it. kind of question. You, you've asked uh, a question. Now you have ooh, to answer Now it. I have to answer it. You made it. your bed. You got to lay it. For you guys uh, there on the show. I could, I, can, I, can I tell you why I think what I would, how I would envision each of the characters running their Please kingdom? I, because I would see uh, Matumbe come in and set up the theocracy devoted to Phrasma, oh, where yeah. the castle looks like a giant spire. Yes. And the mother, no, not the mother maiden crone, because that's Baba Yaga, but the, um, the, uh, the prophet, uh, the, oh geez, here's my lore failing me as well. Hey, don't worry. Anyway, don't worry I, about I'm that. Still, I'm looking yeah, yeah. at you with the doe eyes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think, I think this is what Matumbe's kingdom looks like. It's a true neutral kingdom. The justice is even handed and, and swift. 
uh, but also justice, swift justice. But then there's also like tremendous reverence for tradition and the dead, right? Yep. Ikmer's kingdom. I'm. Uh, <laughs> yes, oh let's talk no. About this one. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, is, is, I'm not going to lie. It's a little bit of a creative challenge, uh, for me to wrap oh, my me head too, around, yeah, but yeah. yeah, but, so uh, I didn't put him there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but, but you could see something that's, uh, founded when uh, that has a lot of foundations in chivalry. Uh, the kingdom's motto is just going to be milady. Yes. And <laughs> naturally, naturally. <laughs> when emissaries from the kingdom meet other kingdoms are like, Milady. The formal greeting is Milady. They dip yes. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he is uh, a leader that uh, leads from strong defense rather than uh, being antagonistic towards other countries and focuses on protecting his people. Absolutely. Uh, Lyra, running a kingdom, uh, would have to just move it out of the stolen lands completely and put it on the coast somewhere. Yeah. Of, you know, because we wish probably wouldn't we even wouldn't be interested. We wouldn't have tentacle shenanigans yeah, without exactly. that. So, uh, so her, uh, her mercantile and shipping-focused, uh, trade-focused kingdom reigns with economic might over its neighbors, right? Okay. And I suppose you could yeah. get that in the River Kingdom by just dominating the rivers, right? <laughs> the river. The rivers. There's a, there's a body of water there somewhere. And then Eclipse's kingdom. Now, this is like. <laughs> this is a fun one. I'm really excited to hear Yeah, about where this am one. I going to go with this? So, um, so dominated when, by spirits. <laughs> yeah, I think this is the kingdom where, whereas Matumbe's kingdom gives tremendous reverence to tradition and to the past, uh, it recognizes that they uh, have had a part in what the kingdom has become, but they are now just something that we honor. In Eclipse's kingdom, the dead have equal rights with the living and they walk and talk amongst us and they share in our lives and our story, even though they have completely different needs. And it starts to look a whole lot like Geb in a certain way, except maybe there's just enough balance because there's, there's enough living and dead to complement each other and help this be a place where uh, spirits of all kind can even come find shelter can even come find haven if they're particularly tortured from whatever experience put them into that space. Uh, that now that that's a kingdom that's throwing. I want Pathfinder write a book that, about it. Right I want to. I, I, I want to watch that one. I want to listen to that one. I'm very interested in that one. Yeah. That's an amazing interpretation of that because, again, her character has always been in a way so reverent of the dead, even though she's kind of haphazardly found these spirits and, in, in, you know, as early as episode 10 is finding these spirits and communing with them and bringing them into her self, which exactly. is then almost become a, at this point, an evil thing. Sure. And then when you think about how in uh, many societies when monarchies were uh, the predominant uh, form of government, the monarch or the, uh, the, the king or the queen actually like by their physical person represented the totality of the kingdom. And for Eclipse, what more perfect thing, right? Yeah. Haley's excited. She's she's yeah, ready. I see Haley in the background, like this is the, my favorite thing I've ever heard. <laughs> really, Haley's too excited. So Haley, we need to wrap this up. Haley's real like, soon. we need to play Kingmaker <laughs> now. <laughs> no, we don't. Kingmaker uh, now. Jason, thank you so much for joining us today. I have had an absolute blast. Uh, Gen Con so far has been 
a riot. Hanging out with you has been great. I've enjoyed my pulpit rock. If there is somebody at home who does not know how to find you, where can they find you online? Sure. You can hop onto Twitter, type at what do you do pods that's p-o-d-s at the end because at what do you do was already taken that's that's not me so at what do you do pods is my twitter handle come on there come say hi if you are a podcast and you see the list that i keep there uh and you see that you're not represented on that list please 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 send me a message tag me in a in a tweet of your own i want to know how i can get that that on the list if you're a pathfinder or starfinder podcast or using some other Paizo product, I want to make sure that we get that represented. And I will say for those of you out there that may be starting something up, maybe very new, may may have something that exists that you just feel like, you know, people aren't attaching to, this is the guy. This is the fucking guy, guys. Like seriously, you need to send him that link because he is the best resource we as a Paizo product community have to connect with each other, to connect with Paizo themselves. I mean, their, their PR director literally like talked about his list as something that he's using to build the Pathfinder community. And I can't think of anything that's much stronger than that. Pretty awesome. You get in contact with Jason, you will immediately then be on our radar as well. And I think us and the rest of the Pathfinder community are going to welcome you there with open arms because honestly, we're, we're all in this together. We are having fun and we're playing products that we love and we're talking to people that we would never get a chance to talk to. Yeah. Vis-a-vis Jason, right here, who we would never get to talk to if we hadn't started this awesome podcast and he hadn't reached out and seen us and basically started our support network. <laughs> you haven't started our <laughs> Hades Lefter AA, which maybe is uh, appropriate. Mm. We'll circle back someday, maybe if you need it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jason, it's been a gem to have you on the Zone of Truth. I've got some news for you. Congratulations. You did succeed your roll save. Hooray. It's been an absolute blast having you on. We'll have to do this again sometime. Maybe next time at Gen Con. Maybe we'll just have you on in between. We'll see what happens. No, I'll be at Origins. We'll, we'll get him over there. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> That'd be fun. Spoiler alert. But, Griff, what do you want Jason to do? Jason, I want you to finish your drinks. Because I'm going to see you in two weeks. Hell yeah. Later. Later.